All right. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of the Dutch Culture Podcast presented by uh, ISN and me, Sven Kwaaknaat. Uh, I'm here with uh, Maurits. Maurits, tell something about yourself. Yeah, hi all. I'm uh, Maurits. I'm uh, a friend of Sven and um, I'm doing a bachelor in uh, history in uh, Utrecht at the university. And um, I'm taking my expertise to this podcast, although I don't know that much about the early ages. But um, I'll do my best. Well, I mean, um, to be honest, there's not really a lot known till the Middle Ages. Well, to the Roman Empire, actually, in the early Dutch history. But we would just get through it and like li- highlight out some points that happened like in the beginning. Yeah, so, it's a big mess, but we'll try. Yeah, one, yeah, 100%. Like till the till the Middle Ages, it's um, I want to say I don't want to say a cluster, <laughs> a cluster peep, <laughs> but I mean. We'll just get right to it. So we're going to start with the early Stone Age, early Bronze Age. Um, I There were a few people here in this part of the of the world. Yeah, there were people, but not a lot. And there were a lot of separate tribes. Yeah, and they were mostly hunter-gatherers, no? Yeah, but that was in most of Europe. And um, this part of Europe was mainly swamp, so not very livable. So there weren't uh, a lot of people. Yeah, because in the other parts of Europe, you see those um, stone stone drawings in those caves. Yeah. Uh, why don't you have that a lot in Holland? Um, well, for starters, you don't have a lot of caves in Holland. Because I, mean, <laughs> I, mean, I walked right into that, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a bit of an open door. No, uh, but um, also because there weren't a lot of bigger, quote unquote, civilizations here. Um, so it was all small tribes moving around um, through all of the low countries. Yeah, because they chased uh, the packs of uh, animals yeah. that were like in in this country, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- I think that's all I, I I can say about it. I don't know a lot of about this particularly part, but yeah. What I do know though is that when the Ice Age came, the I think the last one, if I remember correctly, uh, is when. Everyone, because the Ice Age reached like up till about like the whole of Holland, I want to say. Um, yeah, around Utrecht. That's why you still have the hills over there. They oh were, yeah, they were they were caused by the glaciers. So the the landmass pushing up the yeah. the other landmass up there. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. There's I I want to keep talking about like everything here. I think I think we can skip through most of this. It's 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 the before. The bigger tribes come in here, and you get the Saxons and um, Bataven. Bataven, yeah. sure. <laughs> One of our early ancestors, I want to yeah. say. Um, there, there's just not a lot known. No, but then we come to like a big switch in history, I would say, around the Roman Empire. Yeah, um, when the Romans got here, um, as far north as they ever did get. I mean, to the, to the, the Rhine it, it, was like their natural border, right? Yeah, the Rhine was their natural bo- border. They tried to get over that, but they didn't succeed uh, really well. Uh, but um, you had a few big tribes um, in the Netherlands, or what we now call, nowadays call the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you have the Batava, the Frisians, and the Saxons. And the uh, Batava and the Saxons were um, under Roman control after a few wars and uh, 
they were subjugated. Yeah, well, yeah force control, right? Uh, force control, because yeah, I, I but, but, but there were big benefits to it um, because they became more civilized. They got um, uh, citizen, citizenship, kind the of. Citizenship meant that you could travel through the whole Roman Empire, right, yeah, at that time? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't officially a citizenship because I think they didn't have the right to vote on uh, particular matters, but um, they were cooperative and uh, served in the Roman armies. Yeah, true, because uh, I've heard there was like a big revolt though by one um, Batavian, I want to say Batavian, sounds English to me, <laughs> Batavian leader at that time. Uh, I think what he did was that he mostly got a lot of like angry Batavian tribes with him to fight against like the Roman, the Romans at that time. And I think they succeeded in like burning down, I think already like three villages of, of three strongholds, might I say, of the Romans. Yeah, that they were um, uh, places where the army gathered and um, people were settling because of the army there, so it was safe. Um, but it's um, part of a bigger, um, yeah, a movement of um, Germanic independence, and there, there have been multiple independence wars from uh, Germanic tribes. Yeah, but I think this one um, actually uh, under I know the Germanic soldier's name now. He was called uh, Julius Civilis, obviously um, a name that the Romans gave to him yeah, when he was subjugated into their yeah, army. Obviously, an adopted name, yeah. Definitely an adopted name because um, I uh, I don't know a lot about the Germanic tribes, but they <laughs> won't be calling their kids no by their Roman names. No, they I were quite say. proud. They were quite proud, and I think we can be quite proud of our ancestors at that time. Uh, Although the Romans said that they were savages fighting naked. Yeah, which isn't true. Is mostly isn't it actually? Because I got always got learned by the. Um, like little history programs in the Netherlands here that mostly are for youth, that that was like how the Romans documented the the Germanic tribes here. Yeah, but um, important um, thing to say here is that um, the all the new cultures the Romans got involved with or discovered were called barbaric. Um, so that doesn't really say much about how far developed a culture is, but um, they had settlements of their own and they had a political structure of their own and that was working quite well. Um, but then the Romans came and brought innovations and uh, new technologies and a new way of warfare. and um, Superior way of warfare. A far superior way yeah. of warfare. Um, although um, here in the Low Countries is um, one of the first um, how do you call it? You, uh, written uh, proof of guerrilla warfare. True. I th yeah, and it, I think it was like the I want to say the Ubonic Forest or somewhere around that area. Yeah, like that's, uh, that's the biggest battle that has taken place during that period. I think almost two whole uh, legionaries of Romans were um, were wiped out that day or killed by like a, an ambush. Yeah, yeah it was. Um, um, to draw a picture, it's in a hill land um, covered with forest and uh, um, Germanic tribes that uh, revolted um, knew the country 
and they knew how to take advantage of the forest and um, in that way managed to defeat the far superior uh, Roman legionnaires. I think actually um, a Gladiator has like um, in their in their opening scenes, the movie Gladiator has um, um, a battle that takes place in that same area, I think. Yeah. But they've written True. it in. I think they've written it in that movie that the Romans actually won. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because of a superior outflank by cavalry through a, a fiery haze. Let's let's not talk about the historical accuracy of a Gladiator because that's that's a really far stretch. Yeah. <laughs> so you heard it here first. Gladiator. Gladiator is a hoax. B minus. B minus <laughs> movie. Cool. Yeah. Um, Till what time did the Romans actually stay here? I think that uh, the, their time like fell apart when uh, the Huns were driving out like the um, the other tribes like from the they came from the east and they drove out the tribes like away from them because of fear. Um, yeah, you have um, at a certain um, point in history the Roman Empire uh, collapsed into two empires: the Western Roman Empire and the Eastern Roman Empire, and the far superior Eastern Roman Empire uh, state the Eastern Roman Empire for a long time but the Western Roman Empire had a lot of struggle because it was economically weaker it was military weaker and um, the lowlands still were part of the um, of the Western Roman Empire but at uh, the time of the Huns I forgot the exact time period where that took place there uh, were a lot of uh, tribes moving out of fear and um, they passed into uh, the Western Roman Empire and wanted um, living grounds for their, for, for themselves and for their tribes um, and that resulted in quite a lot of wars and also a lot of um, Germanic independence wars and Gaelic independence wars uh, because of the um, instability that was caused by the uh, big moving uh, tribes from the east and uh, that eventually resulted in the um, collapse of the Western Roman Empire. Yeah, quite understandable that they flee from the Huns though. You are, yeah, <laughs> I mean they, they were not they uh, very nice. No. no, they were not. They were not the nicest kind of people. No, no. Uh, the stories about Attila that he ripped out people's throat. Yeah, but ra raped. They the, the Huns never really got to this point though. No, not really. Right where they were like, I I I wanted they were stopped like around like Switzerland ish ish. Yeah. Like mountain mountain terrain. Yeah, the Alps were an obstacle. Yeah, which is also understandable. Yeah, Alps not really a fun place to even drive through today. If I'm no. gonna be honest, <laughs> I'm really happy that they laid tunnels everywhere. Uh, th those weren't there uh, at the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, why would they? Yeah. So then we moved. After that, the Roman Empire, well, let's say the Western Roman Empire collapsed because the Eastern Roman Empire was still going strong. Their yeah. capital being Constantinople, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we go into a little bit of a weird, weird part of the history around these parts, I want to say. Um, yeah, after the collapse of the Western Roman Empire, at first there's just, um, well, I'm tempted to say pure chaos. I think you're quite right with that, yes. Yeah, and um, at a certain point after time you see the rise of Francia um, with 
eventually uh, Charlemagne at its head and uh, making Francia great and also um, subjugating the Germanic tribes in the lowlands uh, once again. Yeah, th- it wasn't a fun time for the Germanic tribes, like around Roman Empire, Frankish Empire. No, no? it was the. It was a constant struggle for independence, actually, and also times of cooperation and acceptance of their overlords. But also, every once in a while, they were like, "We don't like you anymore." Yeah, because the fair enough. Because, <laughs> and the the Frankish Empire also took over a lot from the Western Roman Empire, no? Yeah, eventually the Frankish uh, Empire. Uh, at first under Charlemagne, um, conquered at least um, the Gaelic and um, Germanic parts of the Western Roman Empire, including the lowlands. And um, he even got the title Imperator Romanum, I believe, or something something similar. Yeah, because it was one of the biggest empires after the Roman Empire, at least in this part. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, it was yeah. the first um, fir- first empire in Europe to um, construct at least, reconstruct at least the um, Gaelic and Germanic parts of the Roman Empire. Cool. Um, so after, after Charlemagne died, I want to say that there, that the empire got split up between his sons. Yeah, as was usual at the three, time. Yeah. So, when was there? I think there. Uh, when was there another like uh, forming together of like a big empire after that? Was that actually Clovis that came afterwards, or was there someone else in that time? Um, I'm not sure, but um, Clovis tried. He did his best. Um, I mean, he never managed to um recreate the uh, the Frankian empire no one did maybe no. i think after charlemagne <laughs> after charlemagne like that frankian empire was kind yeah. of uh, but uh, clovis um conquered a lot of uh, a lot of land and became quite powerful but nothing compared to uh the frank uh, frankian empire under charlemagne or the rulers um before or after yeah, but what I think Clovis did was, uh, well, I think really smart. I think when uh, that was the, also the time that Christianity, Christianity like came to these parts. Yeah, he, the um, he made a very tactical choice of um, converting to Catholicism. And um, because of that choice, he got the support of the nobility in um, nowadays France. And he also got the support of the Pope. Which was in that time, I think, probably the best support you could have. Yeah, um, it, it mainly meant he had less enemies and military allies by that. So that was a very, very smart move. Yeah, because I think the, 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 the well, the lowlands, as we call it now, like the, the, the old Netherlands, I want to say, uh, they stayed uh, a long time defending their like old gods in that yeah, time right not all of the all of the tribes here but um the frisians in uh, frisia um north of the rhine um they were really proud of their old traditions and gods and um they have murdered multiple emissaries yeah, there's actually <laughs> quite a famous story i think um 
from the Frisians. Yeah. Uh, someone named Bonifatius, if that rings any bells. Uh, it does. Um, Bonifatius went to the Frisians uh, and their leader um, to try to convert them um, to the Catholic uh, beliefs. Well, which was done a lot in that time. I think a lot of yeah. emissaries from like the Catholic Church were sent around all the, all all the, the time, parts, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, that that happened all the time, but Bonifatius uh, got famous because he uh, was the last one for a big while to be sent uh, that far north. Because um, when he got to the leader of the Frisians, whose name I've forgotten, um, he tried to convert him. And um, as a thanks for his... Uh, Efforts. Efforts, I guess. <laughs> he uh, got axed in the head yeah, he wanted while to trying to protect himself with a Bible. Um, I mean, it's a thick book, but not thick enough. <laughs> yeah, RIP, man. Yeah. But they made him holy afterwards, though, which is, I think, I'm the best thing that can happen after you die, I yeah. would say, in, Christi <laughs> in Christianity at least. Yeah. Because I heard Victory at, um, after all. Yeah, yeah. because <laughs> I think at, um, it happened at Dokkum. Yeah, and I think Dokkum is still uh, a big holy place for Christian faith nowadays. Yeah, it is. It is. It, it's um, how do you call that? And uh, yeah, I w yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, people go on pilgrimage. It's a pilgrimage. It's a pilgrimage destination. Site, yeah. yeah, a pilgrimage site. Yeah. Yes. Very happy that I came up with that. I was, I was struggling <laughs> to I, find that word. I'm proud of you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So. That was a good, at that time, there was also uh, a lot of threat from an outside force, I want to say. Yeah, from uh, a bit more north. A bit more north. A bit more north. Scandinavian um, north. Our Scandinavian friends, uh, the Vikings, who doesn't know them. Um, yeah, they had a lot of influence here because they were raiding mainly um, the coast. Of yeah, coast, coast and rivers, right? Coast and rivers, um, but they also got quite far in inlands, um, and they uh, they got quite a strong control over nowadays uh, the provinces Holland, uh, North and South Holland, and uh, Frisia. Um, the Frisians were almost Vikings themselves, by the way, um, and. Um, um, they didn't manage to get them out, so they kind of loaned these um, these lands and settled there. Yeah, so in that sense, uh, the series Vikings is, well, the important characters are not history accurate at all. No. But the the way... Loosely based on. Loosely yeah. based, but the, the way things happened around that time, though... I yeah. think if if I if I can understand your story correctly, is that it actually happened that way? Yeah, quite it's very. Long, right? It's yeah, yeah. I, I, you can see similar things in this time in uh, in the Netherlands um, with Vikings trying to settle here and actually succeeding quite well. Mm -hmm. um, and with the Vikings settling here, the, um, the 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 violence didn't stop because um, they were almost in constant war with the uh, uh, bishopdom of Utrecht, where the church was in power. Um, and at a certain time, they, they raided there constantly. And um, at one time, they even got to Deventer Ooh. and sacked it. That's pretty far inwards. Yeah, that's pretty far inwards. For those of you who don't know where Deventer is, it's um, very pretty close to the German border. 
Yeah, so like to put in context, they went through a whole set of like I think two provinces provinces to to yeah. get there almost right. Yeah, uh, by river mostly, but um, yeah, their, their boats were of, their boats were far superior to yeah. to anything the our, our culture at that moment yeah. like had. And um, they were dealing serious blows to the power of uh, Utrecht in the in the yeah in the Netherlands. Yeah, was it weird that they uh, chose out like monasteries and churches to raid? Um, no, because but you see that also in England and in France, um, there's a lot of riches there. I mean, the Catholic Church loves their riches. Yeah, we, we will get to that in, uh, <laughs> in the Spanish time yeah. where, where they got like a little bit full of themselves for the riches. Yeah. And it's kind of... Teaser. <laughs> teaser. It's a, it's, a, it's a spoiler alert at the moment. So yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting that also the Vikings... It's, it's not something you think about when you think of Holland that also the Vikings pretty, had like a pretty no, strong influence No, it's a pretty here. forgotten part of our history. Um, but I mean, at a certain time they controlled what would later be our richest uh, provinces so yeah. and and a few of the biggest so um it's it's pretty interesting and also how far they got in general because i, I think yeah. they also got to america at least uh, even right uh yeah the, they a few years ago they discovered that there are viking graves in uh, canada i believe it's ins insane yeah. at, at that time they could already travel that far yeah insane and challenge the catholic church very much challenge the catholic church in the but talking about the Catholic Church, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I want to say the rise of Protestantism. Martin Luther. Martin Luther, the guy who pinned 100 and somewhat rules that he didn't agree with on the church in Wintersberg, which I mean was pretty fair for that time. The, yeah, yeah. The, the Catholic Church did a lot of, um, I don't want to say shady stuff, but a lot to take money in from yeah. the common folk. Yeah, interesting fact, by the way, um, is he didn't want to um, start his own... Um, religion. It, no, he didn't want to start his own religion or Christian... Spin-off. Spin-off religion, um, by lack of a better word I can think of. But um, he just wanted reforms within the Catholic Church and um, the Catholic Church didn't accept, and then it accelerated. Yeah, which is, I mean, um, from the Catholic Church viewpoint, they had a pretty good, well, I want to say enterprise almost, <laughs> with like because Fair I uh, because I think a, a, a good point to to, uh, to point out in this sense is that they uh, at that time they were really literally selling tickets to heaven. Yeah, pretty smart move. Pretty smart move. <laughs> Uh, they were called big uh, move by the way yeah. too yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah 100 i think they were called like uh for lack of my english knowledge i want to say i'm just going to say aflaten that's how they were called yeah, in i don't Holland. know how they're called in english but it it was literally for the rich people obviously only the rich people yeah. because they were costing i think the equivalent of a thousand euros per aflat nowadays yeah, it was really expensive yeah and it's crazy to me that like they had such a a, a grip on the common on the common people and also the rich people actually in, yeah, the, in these um, times and with the coming of luther um people started seeing that the church was taking advantage of them and especially in the low countries um, it was very well received and um, we had a few even we, we had a few people who even got um, went further than uh, than luther went and um, they 
basically established what we call reformist church nowadays. Yeah, interesting that it's actually like something from from Holland. Actually, such a such a big religious movement. Yeah, there were stemmed from Holland. Yeah, it's. Um, I'm quite frankly forgotten the man's name, but um, Galvin. Galvin, yeah, he um, was very inspired by uh, by Luther and uh, went way further and started to um, to um, give off to the Catholic Church entirely and wanted to um, to diminish the power of the Catholic Church, especially here. Yeah, why was it actually so well received here in Holland? Um, well, in Holland, um, at this time, we have been under Spanish control for a while. And um, the p- most people didn't really like that. Um, and the Spanish were like these shepherds of Catholicism. Um, and how we got under spe- uh, Spanish control is a very long story. Um, which I will spare you. Yeah, it's a lot of um, <laughs> very intricate marrying, marrying stuff. Your yeah. cl- your classic medieval story. Yeah, uh, I mean, in that in those times, it was like easily the the biggest way to get married if you were from rich family, of course, and a, a, a royal family was to just marry another royal family. Yeah, and and that way, uh, Spain got control of the Low Countries. Yeah, around Carol the fifth. Yeah, right. And um, afterwards, Carol V and also his son, Philip II, who inherited his kingdom afterwards, were not really that interested in ruling the Netherlands. No, no, they weren't. (laughs) Yeah, he he didn't like the Netherlands. He didn't like the climate. He didn't like the people. He just wanted to sit He basically hated everything. Yeah, Yeah. he was sitting in Madrid, I think. He was uh, trying to centralize his government, right, from Madrid. He visited one or two times. Yeah, which... Mostly. Yeah, and they took a lot of power away from the... um, from the regente at that yeah, time, from right? The, at that time, the cities in the Netherlands, especially in the um, more rural areas, so um, the coast, mainly the coast of um, of the Netherlands, and that includes uh, the South Sea, mm-hmm. where now uh, Flevoland is in. So Utrecht was considered a coastal city as well. Um, and... Um, there in the big cities, um, the nobility didn't have power and the nobility was mainly Catholic. But uh, um, the rich merchant families um, had taken over power for quite a while now. Because, the, because of the money, right? Yeah, um, they were richer. They became richer than the nobility, um, which was losing power and wealth gradually over time. And um, the new rich merchants took over power in the cities and um, controlled politics there. Yeah, and it, I mean, it, it it would also be very, well, I mean, infuriating if you have power and then it got stripped away from someone who's like thousands of kilometers yeah. away from you and not really interested in your country anyway. <laughs> no, um, no, and especially when that person decides to uh, introduce a new tax... What text was that? Um, um, I forgot the name, but it was a text where uh, on trading products um, there had to be paid an extra fee. And 
yeah, as you can imagine, the people in charge of the cities. Which were merchants. So they were had merchants, yes. So they had to pay that fee. <laughs> they didn't really have a choice to pay that fee. Um, really, really, really didn't like that. Um, and that actually started the entire movement against Philips II. Yeah, because I, I think also because uh, Spain at that time was really Catholic, like it is still today. Yeah. Um, because of the rise of, um, well, the little spin-off of uh, Christianity that we were doing here, it, he also was not really a big fan of that. And I think a lot of people also... No, he dedicated um, most of his rule to fighting Protestantism. Yeah, fight, search and destroy, I think, uh, it, it, was his tactic I, at the most... Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> very well said. Yeah, because I think where uh, it went wrong for Spain is when um, the... You know the 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 drop, the drop that like float over the bucket. If I wanna <laughs> speak in my worst Dunglish ever, I wanna say uh-huh. <laughs> a little bit is when the the Protestants were so fed up, or maybe mainly the I think the whole of uh, Holland's population, I think in general, yeah. and they started um, well ransacking the the churches. Yeah, they destroyed almost at least in the northern parts of um, the Low Countries, and then I include Belgium, um, they ransacked almost every Catholic church, destroying all art. Yeah, pretty big shift in uh, in Dutch history. Yeah, yeah, and the Spanish weren't happy with that. Uh, which I can imagine <laughs> if you have like um, one centralized religion and all of a sudden a country that you're ruling is like, well, um, that religion, we don't care for it anymore. And we're no. gonna beat up everything that has to do with your religion. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't also very well received by the Dutch. No, no. no. <laughs> and I think that was the point where Philip II thought, well, maybe I should um, enforce a little bit of my rule here yeah. in Holland by sending uh, the Duke of Alva. A very nice guy. Yeah, and in, in Dutch, the, the nickname was, I think, the, the, Iron, the Iron Duke. Yeah. Because he the Eiserhertog, the Eiserhertog, yes. Because he had no remorse. No, he was mm. he was very fierce in fighting uh, Protestantism, and uh, he came to the Netherlands and um, established a new council named the Blood Council. Fun. Fun. That uh, that, <laughs> I ca- think that can't really be good, can it? No, I think the name says enough. Um, and um, with uh, Alpha, the Spanish Inquisition famously known for killing non-Catholics, um, came also to the Netherlands. And, it's kind um, of like a witch hunt, but then for Protestant people, no? Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. Because um, at that time, I think uh, a, a little bit five years into like his his rule here, I want to say that the, um, the royal families, or at least, yeah, the let's say the royal families or the... Well, the somewhat yeah, higher families, the noble families, noble yeah. families indeed, um, came to the actual stewards of Holland, which was uh, Margareta von Parma. Yes, she was. Because she was a half-sister of Philip II. She was, yeah. She was sent here in the first place before Alpha to um, assume control back and to get things straight. But didn't she, work out. Yeah, she she wasn't really that fierce of a of, no, a, of a ruler, right? No, no, and and the Dutch weren't really really intricately opposed to her. But um, when Alpha came 
Phillips actually shot himself a bit in the foot. Yeah, the the things that he did here were like uh, almost a, a genocide, yeah. genocide worthy. And that's when the people here just said, uh, "Yeah, we're out. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're not going to deal with this about uh, about this uh, this occupation that we're yeah. under." Because and a lot of uh, after, because I think the also a big turning point in the revolution was the execution of two noblemen, Egmont yeah. and Horn. Yeah. Those were two of the ones that came to Margaret to Parma as well to ask for her, like, hey, can you please ask Philip to lower lower yeah. this like persecution of like the Protestant people because this is getting like out of hand really fast. Yeah, and, and they were seeing that this situation couldn't be um controlled, controlled, I mean, I for, controlled. A, for a longer time. And they were actually being quite nice. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it was a really sophisticated way yeah. of saying, hey man, please don't kill us all. Basically, yeah. And as a thanks, they got killed. Uh, yeah, executed, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, publicly executed. Publicly executed um, to scare off anyone who wanted to oppose Philip. Which uh, all the noble families at that moment fled to Germany. Uh, yeah, and England. And England. Most, mostly Germany. Um, and also the Orange family. Yeah, then we get to the old father of the Netherlands. Yeah. Willem um, van Oranje. Yeah, but before he gets into the picture, um, what's important to say that there are a lot of Protestant groups who've kind of fled the Netherlands to England mm -hmm. and um, started a bit of pirating. The Watergeuse? Exactly. So, Protestant pirates. They were basically Protestant pirates and um, who were fleeing from the suppression here and trying to make uh, money mainly by capturing uh, Spanish ships. Yeah, they were also they were also fighting the Spanish at that time. Were they also fighting like other countries or was it like um, only the Spanish that they tried to attack? Mainly Catholic countries, but they, I mean, they were sort of pirates, so they didn't really care. But yeah. um, at a certain moment in time, um, William of Orange, got back to the Netherlands and um, he uh, took, o took over control of the Geuze and um, got his own private army with that, basically. Yeah, with a lot of his own funds. Because I think, he, I was, think, he was quite yeah. rich, yeah. yeah he was and quite he got a lot of loans from the other German nobility, who yep. was mostly Protestant. And also married into his family, I think. Yeah. Or the oranges were married into their families. Yeah, so there were a lot of alliances. And um, also, yeah, what I said, also most of the um, German states were Protestant. So that means already so they, an alliance in general, yeah. Yeah, they, they, all, they all wanted the Spanish to piss off, so... Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> because um, it didn't go very well in the first few years of no, uh, his war against Spain. It was Spain, really Spain. a struggle. Um, but um, at a certain uh, point in time uh, in the war uh, of independence, um, something changed and um, they took over control of the northern part of the Netherlands and managed to push back the Spanish quite a lot. Which was like interesting, right? Because their army was, all, I think, almost half the size of like most Spanish armies that were there. Yeah, but they were really well 
uh, equipped to um, wage war in wet countryside and mm. rivers, which uh, especially at that point in time was like half of the Netherlands. Swamp. Yeah, swamp. <laughs> the Holland and their swamps. Yeah, and also and also their their control of the water in general. Yeah, because you have um, the siege of Leiden. Yeah, um, the Spanish laid siege to Leiden, which is in uh, at almost at the coast, um, and um, to um, stop that siege, they um, broke dams, and uh, the entire Spanish army um, was within minutes underwater and the siege was broken which is quite a famous story in uh, in the netherlands yeah also uh, uh, things that you know if you first get to the netherlands you don't really get to hear those kind of stories i think i mean no but it's uh i mean it's still a holiday in leiden yeah t- true actually yeah very true fifth of november fifth uh, of october fifth of october not the fifth of november no not the fifth of november no <laughs> wouldn't that be fun with Guy Fox in the in the picture <laughs> as well. Did you also yeah. blow up something here. I, I, I confused my dates a bit. Ah, it's all right. That's no worries. So when they could they took control of the northern part of Holland, did the Spanish retaliate? Um, yeah, they um, sacked Antwerp. Oh, true. Yeah, in not a fun way as well. I no, think on their way, way out, right? Yeah, but um, it, it, uh, I mean. Looking at it from the positive side, the sacking of Antwerp um, gave Amsterdam the opportunity to become the new merchant heaven. Yeah, because there was a lot of, um, you know, a contest in the in that power struggle, right, between yeah, yeah. Amter- Antwerp and Amsterdam. Yeah, Amsterdam was growing for a while, but never managed to um, take. Uh, the trading position from Antwerp, and by sacking uh, Antwerp, the Spanish actually gave all trading power in Northern Europe to Amsterdam. Huh, that backfired a little bit. That backfired a little bit, yeah. Yeah. And um, the with the new economic wealth and um, new sponsors and alliances, um, William of Orange managed to push back the uh, the Spanish to. I think halfway Belgium, nowadays Belgium. And um but the Spanish managed to push the Dutch back again to what is basically now the border with Belgium, a bit higher. So North North Brabant. Yeah. Yeah. And um that's uh where there was a stalemate for a very long time. Yeah. And uh what uh what became of Willem of Oranje? I think he was the first um, real ruler here. Yeah, he was, like the, he was the first steward. Yeah. Um, and, um, well, he was the father of the Netherlands, basically. Um, and also the founder of the Netherlands, almost. Yeah, I mean, at that time it was called uh, the Dutch Republic. But, of um, the seven united provinces. Yeah, f- <laughs> exactly. Um, so it was a unity in a way... But um, all seven uh, provinces still had uh, a lot of self-control and their own parliaments and governments. Kind of like the states in the US, right? Yeah, it was very, very much that, yeah. Yeah. Um, But uh, he was assassinated um, by Balthasar Gerards in Delft. The bullet bullet shots are still on the wall. If you want to see them, go to Delft. Um, It's not very impressive. It's just a hole in the wall. 
but um, he uh, he got assassinated because Philip II had a bounty on its head. Yeah, he, um, in Dutch we call it vogelvrij, which yeah. means you you are able to be killed by anyone and not be persecuted by law. Yeah, and at um, that was the case, and at the same time you got, I think, 10,000 gulden. Yeah, uh, 10,000 gold. Yeah, you, you just got Basically. a r- really lot of money for killing him. Um, yeah. Balthazar Ger- uh, Gerards never got to enjoy that money, though. No, um, I have actually a fun fact <laughs> about uh, Balthazar Gerards afterwards. Uh, because uh, the whole uh, not being persecuted by law, the Dutch Republic was like, well, we are not being ruled by the Spanish anymore, so we don't have to abide by the Vogelvrij law. Yeah. So um, he got executed. In a very fun way. Yes, in uh, Holland we have an, uh, a very nice way of execution, or well, not nice at all. It's called ratbraken. It's uh, fun. Yeah, um, you have a big cartwheel where uh, the um, well persecution guy gets strung up, and then with a um, nice metallic uh, thing, they will uh, break all your bones in your body yep. and um, leave you to hang. For yeah. a full day. And I believe afterwards they um vierendelen. Yeah, they um they tied ropes to four of his limbs and got some horses and uh, pulled out his limbs. Yeah. And while still alive, he his heart was cut out and shoved in his mouth. Yeah. And afterwards I believe he was fed to the dogs. Yeah, and his head was I think his all his limbs were put on stakes on the big bridges of um of I think of Amsterdam at that time actually. Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure though. Yeah, but like on all the all the all the main entrances of the city, yeah. is, uh, lips it, was were put a, on spikes. it was a pretty clear statement. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, the, yeah, it was uh, it was unfun, but yeah. I kind of feel I kind of feel proud for the Dutch people who did that at that time. Yeah. Maybe a kind of weird of nationalistic flags, but yeah. Willem van der was a pre- it was just so important for like the early history of Holland. So yeah. Such yeah, a shame was. that he got like killed. Like maybe he was elderly anyway, right? At that at that time. Yeah, he was. He was. He was quite old. I'm not sure how old he was, but for the time, he wasn't young anymore. No, he, so he didn't have I that think long he was to in live. His now, 50s. Yeah. All right, then we come to the to actually the end of the the first episode. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the next episode we will uh, go through with uh, one of the most exciting parts of Dutch history. I want to say the, the golden age. The golden age. The age where we pirated the whole world and said it was our most prosperous time. Yep. <laughs> and oh. enslaved most of the world uh, we came as well. Yeah, <laughs> we will uh, talk about it next time. I hope uh, you enjoyed for this time and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. See you later. Bye.